Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to James chapter 5. We have been working our way through the book of James. And in these five chapters, it is amazing to see how many ways James challenges us and he confronts us and he gives us a wake-up call. And throughout the book, he's been telling us, you cannot afford to be a double-minded man. You cannot afford to be double-minded. You cannot afford to have one foot in the Lord and one foot in the world. You cannot afford it. It is far too costly for you as a believer. You will not be content in either of those situations when that's true in your life. You'll not be happy in worship. You'll not be happy in church. You'll not be happy serving God because you're far too much in the world and yet you're trying to have the best of both worlds. And, uh, you know, when you straddle the fence, makes for a mighty sore crotch. If you'll per- permit me to use the expression. You're going you're to you're find it. It causes you grief and it causes you pain. This morning we're going to look at a, at a part of this chapter that encourages us in light of the return of Christ. It gives us some word in light of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning. Now, I don't know how how you view that. I don't know how you think about that. I don't know how that works in your heart and your mind. Is that some is that a truth that you you live with? Is that a truth that every day you think to yourself today could be the day our Lord could return? And I'll be honest, I don't live enough in that truth. I don't live enough there. I need to have that thought constantly in my heart and in my mind. Because we've got a short amount of time in which to work. Jesus said, work while it's daylight. The night is coming when no man can work. You have a short time of uh, of action. You have a short time in which to serve, to give, to honor the Lord, to work, to serve Him. Now, if you're a child of God, you're going to serve the Lord all through eternity. We're going to have jobs in heaven. We're going to serve the Lord. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. But there are some particular things that you can only do here. One of those in particular is to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. When we go to heaven, either when the Lord returns or when we die, that part of our work is completed. I want to encourage you. There's a lot of things in this life. There's a lot of things in the world. There's a lot of things that you can give yourself to. 
And may I just say, you're giving yourself to something today. You're giving yourself to something or somebody today. You are pouring yourself into something or somebody. Maybe it's your Facebook. Lord, help us. I mean, there's some good, you know, uses of that. There are. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's serving the Lord in in any of those areas. There's a lot of ways that that we pour ourselves into into the work of God. I want to encourage you to take these words this morning to heart. And before we get to scripture, I just want you to I just want you to, to to do one thing with me. I want you to sing this chorus with me. It says Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. songs of heaven. It's one of the songs we will sing together in glory. Well, let's look in our Bibles. James chapter 5 and notice in verse 7. James chapter 5 and verse 7. If you found your place and you're able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Be patient, therefore, brethren, Unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in Your presence this morning and we acknowledge that You alone are worthy of all glory and honor and power. All praise is given to You today, Lord. Only You are worthy. And we praise Your name. We magnify You. We worship You today. We pray that You will be lifted up in our hearts and in our minds within this church family. Lord, we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will be exalted and that everyone will be drawn to Him. Father, we pray that in this community, Christ will be lifted up. Lord, that the lost will be drawn to Christ, that they will come to know Him, that they will be saved. Father, if there's even one today who doesn't already have a relationship with You, Father, I pray even now You will speak to their heart, show them their need, reveal Yourself to them, or draw them and save them. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, because some are discouraged Some are eaten up with the cares and the concerns and the worries of this life. Father, some have forgotten the precious promises of Your Word. Lord, some have neglected the truth of the Bible. Some have lost the fire of of passion for You and love for You and joy in You. And Father, I pray that they they would find that today. God, I pray that You would speak to their hearts and You'd draw them back to Yourself. And God, I pray You'd do a mighty work in their hearts this morning. Today, tonight, God, do a work in us. Father, how we need to hear from You. Lord, I don't. the last thing we need is another sermon from me. Lord, I, we need to hear from You today, God. We need You to speak to hearts and minds. And so, Father, use me or, or go around me, Lord, but somehow speak, Father. Use whatever means You choose. But God, by the power of Your Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, I pray that You would speak to every heart today and move us, Lord, to obey in faith and and just to trust You for what You have for us. Lord, we, we thank You now and we praise You. And we pray together in Jesus' precious and holy, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, three times in these verses, the coming of the Lord Jesus is mentioned. And, and he's, he's giving that for a reason. Uh, the, the, the first instruction that we're given here, Billy, is to be patient. And the word here is the word for... Uh, it, it literally means long-tempered or long-suffering. We're to be long-suffering. And this word is particularly used in, in regards to how we treat people. Okay? We're to be patient. We're to be long-suffering. Um, and why is that? Why is that? Well, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, I think we can obviously say, well, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work within us. When you're walking in the presence of God and the Spirit of God is filling your heart and your mind, then one of the fruits that's going to be hanging on the branches of your life, the branches of your tree, is the, the fruit of patience. God's going to produce patience in you. My old pastor's wife always used to say, I'm quoting Peggy a lot this morning, but she used to say, don't pray for patience. Don't ask God for patience. Because He'll give it to you. But oh my, the process in which He does give it to you. 
You know, one of the examples we're given in this passage is Job. And when you read Job, you're not really impressed with his patience, honestly. He's kind of impatient. He's kind of pushing and pushing. But he learned patience through 42 chapters. He learned patience through losing his children and losing his flocks and his herds and his livelihood. Losing everything that he owned. Losing everything he had except his wife. His dearly beloved, precious wife who came to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with. There's some encouragement for you, Brother Garland. Thank the Lord you weren't married to Job's wife. Well, just get it over with. Always wondered, you know, the devil took everything else away. He left her. Just always wondered if she wasn't one of his. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe not. Well, he learned patience. I mean, he, he endured. And through it all, he learned to trust God. And the end of it was what we see in our passage this morning. That, that the Lord is... What did it say? He said here in verse 11, "...the Lord is very pitiful." and of tender mercy. And that's what we see in Job. But oh my, the process of getting there, it's something else. Well, he says here, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now, here's the thing that we know about the coming. The word coming there is parousia in the Greek. And it... it, literally could be translated arrival. It means more than just coming, it's the presence of God. So arrival might be a a good word for us. But um, we're to be patient, not just because we have to endure a certain thing. You know, when the dentist picks up his drill, you quote to yourself, He who endures to the end shall be saved. Uh, well, anyway, I'm sorry for those of you who have. I mean, some of you people like dentists, and I, you know, I've never figured that out. But anyway, um, you know, we're, we're given this instruction: be patient unto the coming of the Lord. And for some people today, the idea of the Lord's return is is almost laughable. It's it's rather, you know, it's Saturday Night Live material. It's 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 funny. And yet I'm going to say to you, for those who are saved by Christ, those who've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, it is our blessed hope. It is the the greatest thing that we have to look forward to. And it's the next great event in the in the timeline of God's history. Of all these things in history that God has been doing and is about to do, the return of Christ is the next thing. It's the next item. And folks have been expecting it ever since He went up in a cloud. There in Acts chapter 1. The Bible says He was caught up from the disciples and, and uh, they watched Him till He was gone. And, and then uh, you know the angels stood there and said, Why do you men stand here gazing? Why are you looking up in the sky? The same Jesus is going to return in the same way that you saw Him go. He's coming again. 
Now, I understand that in the world there's going to be a skepticism. I understand that in the world there's going to be unbelief. But when there's unbelief and there's skepticism within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's troubling. That's, that's hard to, to reconcile. And, but I understand skepticism. I understand that whole dynamic because I deal with that sometimes. I, I get skeptical. But folks, when, when Paul spoke of the return of the Lord Jesus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and following, he said that it was tied to the gospel itself. As surely as Jesus died and was buried and rose again, even so, He's coming again. That's how closely linked it is in Scripture with the Gospel. You see, it all stands together or it all falls. And you can't pick and choose. You, well, I like this part of the Bible. I like this part. I like this teaching. I, I believe this part. But I'm uncomfortable with this over here. And I don't really care for that. And, and uh, this offends me. You're not given that liberty. That is not your freedom to choose. We take the whole Word of God and we receive it to ourselves. And you say, but wait, preacher, there's some things I don't understand in there. I'm worried by those things that I don't understand. Mark Twain said, it's not the things I don't understand that I'm worried about in the Bible. It's the things I do understand. I think we've got enough to work on if we just obey what we do know. Don't worry about the things you don't understand. There's going to be things, sure. I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand a lot of things about the end times. But I'm trusting God. And I do believe it said, what it says that the Lord Jesus is going to, going to return. Turn, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for just a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's just be reminded of what Paul wrote concerning the return of Christ. He said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. He wasn't talking to folks sleeping on Sunday morning during the worship hour. He was talking about folks who died in Jesus. Believers. Christians who had died and uh, their bodies were sleeping. Their souls were with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? Well, uh, he says that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, notice this, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, the Bible supposes and it presumes 
that, that for believers, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Christ, we are going to be persecuted. We're going to be mistreated. We're going to suffer. We're going to go through all the hardships that the world can throw at us. And Christian, uh, Christianity in America, in North America, is something of an exception to that. I mean, we've enjoyed a wonderful amount of, of peace in our country. We've enjoyed freedom. I mean, sure, Paul had freedom until he got arrested and thrown in jail and executed. We've been given a lot. And we're blessed. But don't think it odd at all when the world doesn't like who you are as a Christian, as a child of God. And at some point we have to choose. Do we want the approval of the world? Do we want to, to be accepted by the world? Do we want them patting on our back and saying, oh man, you guys are great? Or do we want the approval of God Himself? You know, there's young people in this room this morning who are about to start their college experience. And that's a great thing. Great opportunity. But I can tell you, every classroom you go into, You've got to look at that person walking up to the front of the class and beginning to teach you and understand that that is a human being, that is a sinner, maybe a great person. Or they might be not so great a person. I've had both. But you have to filter everything you hear. I don't care if they're a Christian. I don't care if they're somebody that you look up to and you respect. You filter everything they say through the Word of God. You take in everything they're telling you, but you take it in through the filter of God's Word and you say, how does this line up with the Word of God? Because I promise you, if you do it any other way, What's, what, the, what the enemy is going to do, what the enemy of your soul is going to do, is he's going to try to begin to cast doubt upon the Word of God. And I promise you, there will be professors who stand up in classrooms all across America, in colleges, universities, high schools, whatever. And they are going to, to be influential. They're going to be charming. They're going to be winsome. They're going to be intelligent. They're going to be, uh, you know, really bright. But we've got to take in everything they say through the filter of God's Word. Does it match up with what the Bible says? Because this is our, this is our standard. This is the truth. And everything else has to come to here. Has to agree with this. Well, James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, Unto the coming of the Lord. Peter said in first, second Peter chapter three, he said, there's going to come scoffers. There's going to come people who, who deny. They're going to say, oh, everything just continues like it always has. Uh, everything's just going on and on. Uh, like our father's time and their fathers and their father. Everything just continues. The return of Christ. And they're going to put it down. Well, I want to say to you, the Bible says, be patient 
unto the coming of the Lord. And he gives us this example. He says, look at the farmer, the husbandman, as the King James puts it. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. You know, in Israel, the crop season is a little different than it is here. And the early rain occurs in late October, early November. And they plant the seed and they hope for the early rain to sprout that seed and to get that crop growing. But the late rain comes in April and May, right before the harvest. I mean, that's a long time to wait. And some of you are farmers. Some of you know what that's like. The patience of the farmer is that he does everything he can do, but there's some things he cannot do. He cannot control the wind and the sun and the clouds and the rain. He cannot control the weather. He cannot control a lot of the, the factors that have a direct impact on, on his crops and on what he produces and on, on the, his profit line. There's, a, there's some things he can do and there's some things he can't do. James says, be patient like a farmer. Be patient like a farmer. A farmer plants, he prepares the ground, he plants the seed, he waits for the rain. He cultivates, he does everything he can do, but ultimately it's God who gives the increase. And sometimes it's a helpless feeling. Some of y'all had some tough experiences in farming. You know what that can be like. I remember reading the stories of the, of the Dust Bowl out in Oklahoma back in the 30s. I remember the stories of, uh, you know, from the old days of, of clouds of, of grasshoppers just coming in and, and devouring entire crops. Everything was gone. And our patience can't be, can't be just purely based on, well, something bad happened today. How are we going to get through this? Our patience is based on the coming of the Lord. Our patience is, is understanding that, that it's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in a month necessarily, but it's going to happen. And when the, when the time is right, it's going to happen. And folks, when, you know, we think of this long term because you know, all my life I've heard preachers say, well, the, the Lord's going to return in my lifetime. I'm sure of it. I remember my old pastor, Brother Garland Hobbs, used to say that. I remember Brother Rex Easterling preached uh, the revival right before I got saved. And Brother Rex shared that. I've heard others share that. Well, Brother Garland and Brother Rex are both with the Lord now. The Lord didn't return in their lifetime. We're still moving on. What's going to happen? When's it going to end? Where's it going to go? I don't know. It sure looks like we could be heading into the end times. The only problem is that you know when you read the Bible and you try to understand prophecy, it's really hard to find any mention of the United States of America in that book. Could be there. We don't know. We don't know if this nation will even survive to the end times. We may, we may not, as a nation, we may not even be here at that point. I think the Christianized American dream is that we, we have all that we need and we, we get all we want and we have the Lord too. 
And the Lord's going to come and rapture us out of here and we're all going to be kept from all the persecution and problems and troubles and trials. And folks, taint necessarily so. Could happen that way. It'd be nice if it did. But go talk to those people in Sudan today who are being killed for their faith. Go talk to those believers in China who are being put in prison because of their faith. Or just seeing how that the, the government in China was going around and taking down crosses off of any church building. And you go around the world and you talk to people who are, who are truly being persecuted for their faith. Well, how does that square up with what we know? Well, we've just been blessed. We've been blessed. But don't think for a moment that that's going to always be the case. It may, it may or it may not. We need to prepare our hearts, though, that no matter what happens, no matter what comes, we're going to stand for Christ. We're going to serve the Lord. If it means prison, if it means losing our job, if it means losing our homes, we're going to stand for Christ. If it means being tortured, if it means suffering, whatever it may mean, we choose. Now, some of you are going, uh, wait a second, Brother Tim, do we get to take a vote on this? Um, I've heard people say, you know, I don't know what I would do if the time ever came when this was... Well, I'm going to tell you, you better choose now. You better make that choice now. Don't wait until you've got a gun pointed in your face. Don't wait until you've got a, a gun pointed in your child's face and then decide if you're going to follow Jesus or not. It's a decision for right here, right now. Lay down your life today. And you'll never lose it. But you seek to hold on to it, and it'll slip away from you. Well, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Be long suffering. Put up with whatever you have to put up with. Understand, though, that Jesus is coming. And, and folks, from a prophetic standpoint, there's nothing that has to happen before Jesus comes again. There's nothing that has to happen. They don't have to build a third temple. They don't have to find the, the, the red heifer. They don't, you know, none of that stuff has to happen before Christ returns again. It could happen at any moment. It could happen today. It could happen in the next moment. We don't know. Well, however long it takes, and whether we live to see it or not, be patient. Be long-suffering. Be focused on serving your Lord. Giving yourself. Well, notice what he says here in verse 8. He says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. We're to, we're to establish our hearts. We're to strengthen our hearts. We're to understand that this world's going to try to sway us. This world's going to try to push us. This world is going to try to mold us and shape us. And make us into something that's politically correct? That's not what the Word of God has called us to. God's Word has called us to, to, to establish our hearts. Fix our hearts on the Lord. Strengthen your hearts. You say, well, how do you do that exactly? You get in the Word. You let the Word of God become the, the, the voice that you're listening to. 
I mean, everybody's listening to some voice. Maybe you got some talk radio thing you got on your radio. Maybe you got something on the internet, some blog you read. Maybe you're listening to, to whoever. Folks, we need to be listening to the Word of God. We need to be focused on the Word. Well, um, now look at this with me. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It grows near. It's coming. It's coming. You know, I wish I could stand up here and say, you know, in, in three days, the Lord's going to return. Or in 17 days, you know, on March 21st, the Lord is going to, you know. But the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. And so when you see people begin to set dates, well, uh, you can just mark it down. That's, that's flawed. That's, that's going to fail. And then notice another thought here. Verse 9, especially relevant in light of what we're talking about. He says, um, grudge not one against another. The word there means to, to complain, to murmur. If we began to murmur and complain, I said, that Amanda, I'll tell you what, she's just, man, she's awful. I'm just so mad at her. She's, she, you know, if I start doing that stuff, I'm ignoring the fact that this is my sister in Christ. That Jesus shed His blood for her just as much as He did for me. That she's been saved just as I have. And she's my sister in Christ. I've got no right to be complaining and murmuring and, and grudging her. I, I have no right to do that. Neither do you. When you look at other believers, that is to be the furthest thing from our mind. We're to understand that we are a part of the body of Christ. And my brother or my sister is not the enemy. Well, he said this to me. She did this. I'm mad about this thing. And this Look, you can allow your life to be consumed and eaten up with bitternesses and grudges and all those kinds of things. But notice what our text says right here to us. Look at what it says. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. The judge. In other words, who are you to judge? You're judging. James has already talked about that. Told us, no, that's not right. The real judge is standing at the door. He's got his hand on the doorknob. He's ready to come into the room. You remember those days when the teacher would say, I have to go to the office. You work on your work. And here she'd go down the hall. We'd hear those heels click, clack, click, clack, click. Hey! And here you go. You know, we're having a spitwad fight. We're having... Uh, you know, people out of their chairs, people talking, people doing all kinds of stuff. But then, suddenly you hear a sound. It's the door opening. Everybody's back in their seat and they're looking at their work and they're, you know, reading and they're writing and they're, they're you know, like nothing ever happened. Except for the day that my teacher went to the office and turned the intercom on and listened to us. 
That didn't turn out so well. Behold, the judge stands at the door. He's ready to come into the room. And oh my, kind of reminds me of church camp a few times. When I'd be on some of them boys to settle down and get quiet and go to sleep at night. And for some reason, Dusty, some of them didn't want to do what I said. And Dusty's got some history. You know, he's got some history. And, uh, and I, 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 when we went to Siloam, I would take my big flashlight. I don't mean a little, you know, uh, little bitty mag lighters. No, I'd take a big old honking flashlight. I'd sneak over to their bunk and I'd pop them right in the face with that flashlight and say, look, you want to stay awake? You, want, you know, and, uh, okay, it was kind of mean, but, you know, uh, extreme measures are sometimes called for. No one was permanently injured or harmed, I don't think. Uh, and with counseling and therapy, I think they've all gotten over it. While the judge is standing at the door. And like school children who are misbehaving, or some of us who are going to be ashamed in that moment. When Christ returns, is that the moment you want to find bitterness and anger and, and grudge and murmuring coming out of your, your mouth? Is that what you want the Lord to find you doing when, when He does return? Now, mark it down. He knows what you're doing, what you're saying. The Bible says men will give an account for every idle word we speak. That's a sobering thought. We're going to answer for everything? That's what it says. Well, we need to understand that um, and the Lord is He's right there at the door. He's ready to come in. Well, verse 11, He says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. He's talking about the prophets. He's talking about guys who got sawed in half. He's got people who were uh, chained and, and who were whipped and, and who were, uh, you know, thrown in jail, all kinds of things, terrible things happen. He mentions Job here. But then he says, he said, here's the thing that we find in all of this is that the Lord's character is revealed and that the Lord is, as the King James says it, is, is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And that word tender mercy is a, is a word that, that literally takes the, the idea of your innermost being. And it has compassion, he has compassion in his innermost being. We would say in the heart, because that's what we use. But the biblical term, the Hebrew and Greek uh, way that they expressed it was literally the bowels. I love you with my whole kidney. You know, that doesn't quite translate. You know, if you're looking for a message for your, your wife or an anniversary card or something, you know, I love you with all my bowels. You know, that just it isn't the same. But that's literally the thought. Now, we use heart. But he's, he is, is pitiful in the sense that he has absolute compassion for us. He understands where we are. 
You know, our great high priest has been tempted in every area just as we have been. And he understands where you are today. You may not, you may think, oh, but I've got this. This happened and, you know, look, God knows. And he loves you. He's not against you. But I think sometimes he's saying to us, just like my sixth grade teacher, Miss Coleman, who had green hair, used to say to us, Now, class, straighten up and fly right. And we didn't do a very good job of that. But I think today the Lord would say to some of us, Straighten up. Straighten up. Quit, quit talking about other Christians. Quit putting down other Christian, other believers. Your brothers, your sisters in Christ. Within the church of Jesus, that ought not to be. It should never be that you're talking down about the preacher or about the youth pastor or about anybody else in the church and lost people are hearing you talk. And lost people who don't know Christ, don't have a relationship with Jesus. And what are they judging Christianity on? They're judging it on you. And you may be a stumbling block for some lost person in your life. I want to encourage you to say, Oh God, help me. Help me. Now look, James has already said, None of us are perfect. None of us have mastered this thing of the tongue. None of us have. We all struggle. We all fall short. We can all do better. But I want to ask you today to think, Lord, I need Your help so that I can build up. I can use my words to build up and to strengthen and encourage other believers in their walk. And from that, lost people are going to be touched. They're going to see, hey, these folks really do love each other. They really do. And that's what this world needs to see. Well, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming back. Be patient. Wait. Understand that when He comes, He's going to set everything right. All the injustices, all the problems, all the stuff, He's going to make it right. In the meantime, we have a job to do. And I want to challenge you, Christian. There's a job for you. There's a job for you. We need every believer in this church to be plugged in and to be serving, to be doing. Let's bow our heads. We're going to close this, this part of our service with a moment of prayer and a moment of just responding to anything that God is speaking into your heart today. Maybe He's reminding you that you belong to Him. You're His. Maybe He's speaking to you to encourage you to, to serve, to give, to do, to, to be what He's called you to be. I want to encourage you today to take everything that would hinder you from that and give it to Him.
every way you've you've slacked off, every way you've somehow allowed other things to enter in, to steal your joy. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today, and I thank you for them. Lord, what a precious family of believers. I thank you for each one. Father, I pray you'd help us today to be patient. Lord, to understand that that we're not going to get ours in this lifetime. That this is not the primary purpose of our life. Lord, we thank You that we were created for eternity. I pray You'll help us to live for eternity. Father, speak Your peace into our hearts. Father, help us to humble ourselves before You. Help us to confess sin. Lord, bring... Revival and awakening today as we await Your return. Father, if there's even one today who doesn't know You, doesn't have a relationship with You, Lord, I pray You'd draw them to Yourself. And I pray You'd save them. Father, do a special work, I pray. And we ask it together in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. What are you going to play, Sheila? What are you going to play? What number is it? All right. We're going to do our invitation a little bit different this morning. Take your hymnal if you'd like to. If you have something to deal with with the Lord, then don't bother singing. Make it a matter of prayer. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. And uh, if God's dealing with you hard about something, I want to invite you to come to this altar or make an altar right there where you are. But respond to God. The judge is standing at the door. If he enters today, are you ready? It's all well in your heart, in your life. Let's sing this together. Living for Jesus, all I I give it 
a great thought. And we're called. We're called to that. I want to encourage you today to ask God to keep speaking to your heart. Sometimes we, we kind of get uncomfortable when God speaks. I want to encourage you to say, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I need you to speak to my heart. All right. Any word this morning before we dismiss? Anything we need to mention? Please remember Cheryl Martin. Cheryl's having surgery on Thursday at St. Vincent's in Little Rock. And it's pretty major uh, surgery and very needed. So please pray that God will use this to help her bring, bring what she needs. Jason.